0: So as you perhaps are aware, I'm just covering one verse tonight, so I would suggest that I will be able to stay within my 15-minute allotted time. And I'm speaking largely to husbands. So if you're a wife here tonight and you want to fall asleep for a bit, that's okay. Uh, Renny will be on in about 15 minutes and we can wake you up at that point in time. But if you want to hear a little bit about what, how your husband should be treating you, then maybe stay awake. and. Uh, we'll go through this verse together. Um, Maybe I'll just open with a word of prayer and we'll get going. Father, we thank you for an opportunity once again to gather together uh, in person and online and and just share something from your word and to pray together. We thank you for uh, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church. We thank you for the uh, Word of God that you've given us, and we just pray that you'd guide and direct all that's said and done here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll read the verse through in three different translations to start with. Uh, Just to give us a sense, it's a very short verse, relatively short verse, and so I'll read first in the NIV. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. The New King James Version, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may may not be hindered. And finally, the New Living Translation, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. So I spent some time reading through this verse, obviously, and I thought it would be a good idea to break it into four parts. Four simple parts. The first one is husbands in the same way. So husbands in the same way as what? We'll answer that question. Secondly, Peter speaks of the woman as the weaker vessel or partner. So what does he mean when he says that? Thirdly, given that the woman is the weaker ve- vessel, how should the husband treat her? And then finally, why should this be so? And Peter provides two Important reasons for the need for the husband to treat her in this way so in the same way, that's how the Husbands in the same way, so He's referring back if we look to the last or the first six verses of chapter 3 Peter gives instruction to Christian wives about submitting to their own husbands and how they are to pursue beauty true beauty and this teaching actually followed on the passage that Dave Black uh, spoke on a couple of weeks ago, speaking about how Christians were to live out their Christian lives in a pagan society, and he certainly emphasizes emphasized at that point in time the need for us as Christians to, to submit to the governing authorities. He also spoke of the need for slaves to submit to masters. And so Peter is really driving home the The point that the Christian life is a life of submission it's a life where we put aside our own will and put God's will first and so I think this is if we when he says in the same way as he begins this verse he's alluding back to those those items from the previous chapter but also the first six verses of chapter three now perhaps your first reaction to this verse and maybe particularly if you're a woman is that it, he uh, peter might be suggesting that women are some way inferior to men but i think it's suggesting just the opposite the word which in um, so the the word as is used uh, that's the greek word that's translated weaker it means to be without strength to have weakness or to be infirm and then the other word so often translated weaker vessel um the other word the greek word that's translated partner or vessel is the word skuios, which is a word meaning implement or kind of tool. So this this word is often used as a metaphor for the physical body in the Bible, and it's interchangeably used for both men and women. So men and women are tools to be used for God's glory. And so if we take the two words together, the verse is simply stating that, it's simply stating a general fact that women's bodies Are generally weaker than men's now I can tell you that my wife is much more beautiful much smarter and much wiser than I am but she's not stronger than I am and that's the case in most husband-wife relationships given this Peter clearly states that this what we might suggest being a physical advantage should in no way be utilized by the husband to control or to take advantage of his wife. Physical strength should not be used in a way that is intimidating, is used to inflict fear, or instill any kind of oppression on our wives. And as I think about it, I I say this very seriously, and I think that I'd be foolish to think that um, People, perhaps men within this congregation, have at times done that, and it's, it's, a, it's a very serious thing that God's talking about here. If our wives have ever sensed any fear in our relationship based on the fact that we're physically stronger than them, then we're doing something wrong. If that is the case, then I think we need to repent and seek forgiveness of the Lord. This was never God's intention. God's intention for the man to have physical strength was for good reason, and it should be used for good purpose. Our physical strength should be viewed as a sense of comfort and a sense of protection for our wives. And I would hope that this would always be the case in a Christian marriage. The third point of the verse is that, given this discrepancy in strength, Peter is suggesting that women are deserving of special treatment by their husband. The heart of the verse is that men should honor and treat their wives with respect. Now, I would suggest to you, you know, if we think about when this verse was, or when this passage was written, this was revolutionary at that point in time. It was a radical idea that men shouldn't control their wives. I think during Roman rule in and, and that that day and age men typically did oppress and discount women and so Peter's teaching here was really revolutionary. Peter suggests that the women are to be treated as co- co-heirs or equals of God's grace through faith in Christ. And there's other verses in scripture that suggest exactly the same. Galatians 3.28 supports this. It, Paul in Galatians 3.28 suggests that there's no difference between slave and free man. There's no difference between male and female. And there's no difference between Jew or Greek. So Peter's encouraging husbands to love their wives by living with them with understanding and honor, to be considerate and respectful of them. And the Greek word used for that, to be considerate or respectful, depending on the version, the Greek word really means to render a value by which the price is fixed. And I think the idea here is that women have been valued by God as worth the death of his son. They are therefore due the utmost respect and care. No husband should place his own value on his wife, because that value has already been established by God and shown to us by him. I always find it interesting, that, but shouldn't be surprising, that God provides incredible balance when he teaches on husband-wife relationships. If we look at this passage, you know, the, the fact that husbands are typically stronger than the wives is acknowledged, but it's not left at that. There's just cl- very clear teaching what that strength is to be utilized for and how it's t- to be used and not abused. But rather, used for God's glory. Husbands should be using it to honor, serve, and protect them. And I think this balanced look at husband wife relationships is certainly brought out in Ephesians 5, which we're probably familiar with. That passage speaks about how wiser to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. And that phrase is certainly been, I think, abused through the ages, and men have used it and distorted it to their own advantage. But the second portion of that scripture, perhaps, or earlier on in that passage, where there, the idea of mutual submission is there, where there's a complete balance, and husbands are to, to display a submission to their wife to the extent that they're called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So this brings me to the final point to consider, why is it important for husbands to recognize this teaching? And uh, there's a twofold answer, I think. The answer is given in verse, the verse that I quoted in Galatians 3. Uh, I didn't read the whole verse, but the fact that there's no difference between um, male and female, is that we're all one in Christ. And then in this passage it says we are both partners or heirs in God's gracious gift of life. Now this to me suggests that we're husband, wife, are both sinners saved by grace. This reality puts us on absolutely the same level. Neither is superior to the other. We are both in need of God's saving grace and have both received it as a precious gift. And so I think to the extent that we grasp that, that we are absolutely on the same level, we are going to, by, by our understanding of this, we're, we're never going to take advantage of our wives and we're going to treat them the way we should. And then later on, just at the very end of the of the verse, Paul drives home the seriousness of this point. So not our, only are there our co-equals, we're both co-heirs of the gracious gift of life, but he points out a consequence of not following this teaching. Christian husbands who refuse to honor their wives or pre- refuse to treat them appropriately will have their prayers hindered. Either God will not receive those prayers or the husband potentially could find it difficult to pray and may not have that close relationship that he should with the Lord. Any husband who is abusive, disrespectful, or otherwise belittling to his wife is defying God's will. And if this is the case, he has to repent and change that behavior so that the line of communication with God can be fully reopened. And as I thought about that, this teaching that our Christian walk will affect our prayer life certainly comes out in other passages of Scripture. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And then James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And obviously the corollary of that would be that the prayer of a righteous an uh, unrighteous man won't avail much, will it? And then... A little further on, the next chapter we'll cover in 1 Peter 4, 7 says, Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And when we're not living a life of, um, with a clear mind and living in self-control, then we aren't able to pray the way we should. So that's a sobering thought and should serve as a strong incentive to be daily living the way that is pleasing to the Lord towards our wives or anything else. so that our prayers won't be hindered.